Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Bill Owen. Hey there, Bill. How's it going? Hey, great, Bradford. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. And where do you hail from, Bill? I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it's it's cold here. It's always cold <laughs> here. Six months of the year, we deal with this miserable weather. <laughs> I um I lived in Ohio for uh, nine oh. years, and it's so weird because in the winter, like the sun's like right there. Like, isn't that too low? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. The sun doesn't mean anything here, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Bill, we have a lot to talk about because I'm super excited to have you on the show. So uh, what I do on the show is I like to get just right into it. So why don't you go ahead and just begin by telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, okay, I'm 52 years old, but I feel like I'm 18 still, and uh, I act like it at times that my wife tells me and my kids tell me too. It's embar- I embarrass them a lot. Um, but I try to uh, embarrass my kid and wife. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's good. You gotta embarrass them. Um, let's see. Uh, so I own MMPC Tech, and I started it in 2001, and it was started as a business to build computers and do computer repairs. And then I quickly learned that there really wasn't much for repairs. It was a lot of virus removal. Even going back then, it was about virus removal. And I just, I have, I hate that crap. I I don't want to, I don't want to spend my time on that. And then what I, the aspect I really liked though was building PCs for people. And I was always been a car guy into restoring old cars, customizing cars, whether they're import cars or American cars. And one of my friends had this idea, he needed a new PC and he wanted it to be a tribute to a car he used to have. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. That, yeah, that'd be fun to like, and I've seen online, there was people doing case mods, but it was just kind of basic stuff. You put a window in and you put a neon tube light in um, and blue LED fans and it's basic stuff. And I like, let's do a, a theme where it's like your car, where we use the same factory color. We incorporate like things from your dash to power it on, to control things and actually have the door handle on top. Cause back then land parties were still a big deal where you take your PC to your friend's house, put on a network and you play each other. And that was hot. So it was having mobility in that case was a big thing. Um, and I ended up calling it the Dell Eater because at that time was those really obnoxious Dell commercials with the Dell guy. It's like, dude, you're getting a Dell. Your dad, you know, get a Dell. And and it really irritated me because I my philosophy was I tried to tell my customers, I'm going, we're gonna pick and choose every element of this PC that you want that caters to your needs versus ordering a Dell and then having to kind of make a compromise with what they offer you. And so that was always my pitch. We're going to build something truly custom to your needs built for you. And I quickly learned though, is that price is always going to beat all competition. If you have the lowest price, you're always going to win. And when you do custom PCs for people, it's going to be more expensive. So when they see that Sunday ad, for desktops back when there was people reading the Sunday paper and there'd be desktop computer ads in the back, they'd be like, Bill, I see this one for $1,200 yet you want 
almost $2,000. I don't understand why I have to pay you more. And then you're trying to educate your customers at the same time. And I got tired of that. Anyways, where I'm going with this is that when I did my friend's computer and it was steamed after his 1987 Volkswagen GLI Jetta, I shared the progress of it online in this community group called pimprig.com, which, which was a bunch of PC overclockers and modders. And elements that I used in it, people were asking me, hey, where'd you get that? Hey, could you do that for me? And so I had all these direct messages going of helping people. And it was a lot more interest in that than building custom PCs for like people locally. And I was like, wait, I'm actually tapping into something here where there's money I can make at this. And so I just started to capitalize on that more. And like elements that I use in that build like there was a particular mesh screen that I used. I found a supplier, I could get that at wholesale. And then I would sell it to people that were doing their own mods. Um, there was U channel that was put around the window. I found out the source for that at wholesale and then I was selling that. And so what I did eventually is I launched a really piece of crap store under GeoCities. Remember GeoCities? I do remember GeoC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for for nine ninety nine a month on Yahoo, you could create an HTML website with very basic stuff, and then PayPal, you could do an HTML code for a PayPal Buy Now button. And if you had a PayPal account, you could start your own little store. So I had like a one page of like maybe. 10 different items on there while I was working my full-time job that I would sell these little products for and, and go to the post office and drop it off. And then over time, more inquiries started coming in. Oh, Bill, could you do this? Have you ever thought of doing this? And so I just, oh, you know, I'd hear demand for different things because no one else was doing it. I became the guy that would create parts for things that didn't exist by other manufacturers. Like, let's say, NZXT had a line of cases and the windows from the factory were real kind of foggy looking and people complained about that. And somebody said, hey, you should talk to Bill at MMPC Tech about making a custom replacement window for these cases. And I thought, okay, and I did some research on it. We actually had to make custom equipment for our, our, our shop. Um, basically it was a vacuum table to hold down a piece of acrylic so we could mill this window that mirrored how the factory window attached. And so that took time. But once I did that, nobody else was doing that. So all of a sudden we're selling all these windows for NZXT cases. And that's just one example. There's different cases, even to this day that I make replacement parts or custom upgrade parts for that nobody else does. And so I created this niche market of fulfilling this need for enthusiasts with these different products. And once in a great while, I'll still hear from somebody that will come to me and say, hey, Bill, you know, have you ever considered doing this? And that drives a lot of the product development for us. And, you know, I cannot stress enough, when you fulfill a need that nobody else is doing, a niche, you'll make money. You can you, know, you can make money from that. So, but anyways, um, or I'm going this with this. So we still do that, mmtctech.com. We still do that today where we make custom parts in our own shop here in Minnesota. And then I also resell parts I get at wholesale. Beautiful, beautiful. And you know, for the listeners out there, you have to go check out Bill's PC mods. They're the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. Like I had just built my own computer when I, I came across you and I'm like, this is junk. 
<laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, you, the thing is, Bradford, here's the thing that I run into that's like challenge with running my business. And also there's so many PC customizers, PC modders now, they're all over the internet. If, you, if, you, if you're willing to search them, you'll find them. The thing is, is um, the stuff that I do. Okay, okay, let me finish where I was going. So we have this store, we're making these custom parts. Uh, in 2006, uh, somebody that worked at AMD had seen my work online and they reached out to me and said, Bill, uh, we're going to be launching the Phenom processor at CBIT in Germany, uh, which was, uh, I think it was February of 2007. Um, anyways, the, the fall of 2006, they reached out to me and said, Bill, we would love you to build a custom computer that's really unlike anything else to promote the launch of this new processor by AMD. And uh, I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. Um, and so th this was like my first commission job for a big company. And uh, what's funny, and that that's a whole story in itself, too. I mean, it's like a huge rabbit hole what happened with that. Um, anyways, as far as I know, I was the first person to be commissioned by AMD to do a custom PC build. And what happened down the road was... Um, just over time, uh, it, within the industry, uh, industry people would say, hey, we're really kind of look for, for this trade show like CES or Computex. We're looking for a real custom build uh, to attract attention of the media at this trade show. Hey, talk to Bill at MMPC. Talk to this guy. I've seen this guy. This guy's work in the magazines or whatever. Um, so over time, I developed this reputation for building really unique crazy computers to get attention and clients were using these for you know marketing new hardware uh marketing a new case or more recently over the last couple of years is marketing new game releases so a lot of the commission work that i do now has been in the gaming realm of promoting new game launches um for so like as a giveaway so They'll, call, they'll, they'll work with me. I share progress of this PC build being done that reflects the world of this game so they can share it with the community that follows the development of their game. And um, eventually, they'll host a giveaway for it. And they'll do this in time right before the game release. So it's basically what these custom PC builds act as, a vehicle to raise the anticipation and excitement for the game release, not only just for the game itself, but an additional type of content to share online that are people like, oh, and this PC is being built that's reflective of the world and I have a chance to own it. And after the giveaway, typically the game will be launched on Steam or whatever. And so that's really what I'm doing is I'm just, I'm, I'm boosting their content, making it interesting in addition to people waiting for that game release. I love it. Okay, let's let's get into the interview. <laughs> um, so Bill, I start every interview with a single question and I'm gonna ask you just like I ask everybody else. Um, so don't feel special, this is the <laughs> uh, So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you? That's funny. Uh, 
you know, weird, the word weird, it's so subjective um, to like everyone, everyone has their own opinion of what weird is. So I don't find myself weird, right? Uh, well, I, I, the thing, okay, people that are truly weird, they don't think of themselves as being weird. We look at them like what they do, whatever. So it's so funny. Um, it's, it's really hard to tell you know like why am i weird because you have to look at yourself from outside of yourself like how people perceive you and i think the weirdest thing is when i tell people that i go to bed fairly early uh i'll i'll like i'll hit the i first i usually hit the couch and i watch a movie or something but i'm usually asleep by like around nine or nine thirty i'm asleep um and i don't know if that's weird but a lot of people when they hear that they think i'm up late all the time so I go to bed fairly early. Uh, and, and when I was in Vegas with these people, we were doing a show in Vegas. We're in Vegas, right? We're in Vegas for CES. This is like, this is the thing, you know, like if you're in the industry for, and I remember after we were, we were working the trade booth together and I remember uh, it was like the first night and everybody's like, yeah, we're going to go to the stratosphere. And we're going to, where are you going to go, Bill? And I'm like, uh, I'm just going to go back to my room and go to bed. And they're like, they're like, what? What are you freaking crazy? What the hell? They're like, all of a sudden now I'm the weird guy, right? And I was like, hey, I was married of kids and I was tired. I just want to go back and take a bath and go to bed. <laughs> so that's where I guess where I'm weird. Uh, from I guess so like a would be a five i mean but again it's all your perception of what weird is you know absolutely and that's my answer when it, when people ask me that back to me my answer is five because i'm not crazy i'm not conot traffic code on my head weird nor am i like white bread no, no. Uh, and i'll tell you what bradford i know what really weird people are i i'm in, so i'm in this warehouse that was created uh it was this this, this old warehouse that was outfitted with all these individual studios for artists and who's more weirder than artists artists can get very weird very unsocial and so i know really weird people but that's what makes them interesting though you know artists can be you know just the strangest thing you know types of individuals so i know what weird is and uh i think you and i yeah yeah we're we're fine so I asked that question mostly to kind of put a spotlight on the fact that it's a joke. I, I, I ask mm. a lot, I ask every single guest and they're all gamers, you know, how weird are you? And like, you're my third interview today. And, <laughs> and the other two, one told me 12 and the other one told me 13. What? Yeah, two days ago I had someone, he said he was infinitely weird. So like, that's the kind of answer I normally get. And I, kind of my point in asking it is to show that it's not true. Because we're, mm. we all kind of have the same interests. We all kind of, yeah, I mean, we're different people. I've had guys who'd be considered rednecks on here. They enjoy hunting. They're still gamers. Like we have people on here, self-avowed communists out of you know Washington. Like, okay, well, you're still a gamer. And so like, nobody's different when everybody's different. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All and right. I also, I, I do wonder like the perception of what weird is, you know, my kids, you know, the generation Z now, their perception of what weird is, is probably much different from our generation too, you know? Sure. Have you, have you got told okay boomer yet? Well, I have, and I quickly. <laughs> You're like, I'm solidly X. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm gen X. I'm, I'm, uh, 
I'm Seattle music scene MTV, you know, I I'm Gen X and I'm proud of that. But what I, when they, and my son said that at the dinner table to be a smart ass. And I said right away, I said, the thing is about Gen X is somebody described it as the lost generation. We kind of got lost in all the other stuff. And that's very true. You know, we don't have anything really um, significant, you know, other than like the Lollapalooza, like again, like the, the music was, you know, the Lollapalooza, that was the first year Lollapalooza was for Gen X, the early 90s, the music scene, the alternative music scene. Other than that, it's like, what do we have else to really claim for our generation? Uh, New York, cocaine and finances. <laughs> when I think, but when I think cocaine though, to me, cocaine is late seventies, early eighties. That's cocaine. I mean, that's Coke era, you know, when smuggling okay. was big and, and everyone in Hollywood was doing Coke, in, including doctors, you know, you really are the lost generation. I'm millennial. So like, I was, I was 86. <laughs> oh, okay. I, that's the year I graduated from high school. 86. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so Bill, this is the Gamerpreneur podcast. So I do need your gaming cred. When did you first start playing video games? Oh, uh, Atari 2600. Yeah, that. like the, that year it came out, my dad got it and it was awesome. I remember staying up all night, Christmas night, playing Asteroids till my eyes just bled. Just, just <laughs> Does asteroids. it blow I your think, mind? You know what? It Does would, it blow it your mind? close your eyes, you play those old those old pixelated games when you're sleeping all you see is like rocks rolling around in your head asteroids <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask does it blow your mind you know thinking that's what you started with and nowadays like you're building these machines that like yeah. we're, we're almost across that uncanny valley right yeah yeah and the thing is when i did the machines that i usually typically do because they're using the marketing um to the gaming community they want to see the latest and greatest hardware in it i mean pushing pushing, uh, you know, resources as far as you can, you know, bleeding edge, it has to be, uh, because otherwise it gets scrutinized, you know, like, wait, you're doing this and it's using a video card from a year ago already, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it is weird. And I run into problems where when it's so new that there's issues that those bugs, because often, you know, there's these glitches and bugs with the first batch that I've had to deal with that crap on my own. And that's where the stress comes in, you know? I, I gotta ask, um, when were you finally able to build a computer that could run crisis on the high settings? That's funny you bring that up. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. Okay, so the year that I was talking about, so that we did this AMD build in 2006, and that was when crisis came out. That's, that fall or summer crisis came out. And so my, um, my intern brought crisis here and we're like, we got to play and it played fine. It played fine on there. Um, and we tweaked it as much as we could. And I don't, I don't even remember the specs though, but um, I was like, before that whole crisis, you know, that whole, the, the meme of will it play crisis. Like <laughs> I was right at the cusp before that became the thing to say, we were already playing crisis, but yeah. And now I guess what game would it be now? I mean, crisis remastered. <laughs> what was that? It's crisis remastered. They remastered. The oh, game. oh, did it come out already? I don't know if it's come out yet, but that's, that's the new standard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 I would think right currently right now would be cyberpunk. I mean, you know, and I, uh, I, I haven't really looked too much into that. You know, there's, they're memeing at, at it right now that it barely runs on PS4 and it's, 
Well, yeah. Well, Sony, uh, Sony's uh, refunded. I knew that anyone that downloaded, they just they made a statement. I think it was yesterday or, or, or a few days ago uh, that they're re- they're offering refunds to anybody. Um, and that whole thing, the cyberpunk CD project, right, become a de- just a debacle. And what's interesting is uh, I actually uh, spoke with CD project Red two years ago um, about doing a build, a cyberpunk build for them, and they were very interested in it. And it just never, it just never transpired. But, um, you know, what they're going through right now, this community backlash and granted, uh, it's justified. Um, I think my opinion of is, is, is that, boy, this is, it could be a huge rabbit hole talking about cyberpunk. Um, anyways, my feeling is, is that they're learning how to deal with the public um, because they had such a killer hype train, this massive hype train that was unstoppable, untouchable. And now when things aren't looking so great for you, they're learning how you have to deal with the, with the community who can be super powerful and just tearing you apart online, but they're learning. And, and so I'm going to, Reserve my judgment of CD Projekt Red until all this, like maybe six months from now. We'll see how things look six months from now. But if they fix all the problems that are happening, then then yeah, they're back on. You know, they're they're you know loved again. But it's all a matter of um, how they deal with stuff. You know, I'll tell you that's actually the reason why I don't buy games when they come out anymore. I usually wait about mm-hmm. a year. One, all the bugs get fixed. Two, I can usually get the season pass in with a gold collection or something. And mm-hmm. like, it, it's only a third of the cost. So all you guys buy the new games, like it's a waste of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Bill, your your PCs, the ones that you've monitored, it, like, like I said, they're absolutely stunning. Um, what is the process? How would you go about creating one, say for a company or for a streamer? Um, well, uh, what's what's key about uh, the stuff I do is very important. Is I need to know, um, like I would have like a you know just a, a nice long process, like we're talking right here, of getting to know the person. And what's important is having elements of their personality projected in in, in what you see, and also what their fan base relates to. Like maybe there was something that they did that's kind of they're known for, you know, uh, like maybe you, you like to smoke cigars or something like that. And then we could have like a, a cigar dispenser or lighter incorporated into it. Or, um, like you, your icon, um, uh, for your gamepreneur, um, how do you pronounce your, it's, so it's the, if you do it two words, gamer preneur. Okay. Gamer preneur. Right. So you got a really cool logo with the colors with you in it. And so I see that right away. I'm like, well, I would do a PC, obviously featuring those colors, but having you, because you're such a character, you see you, this guy in the suit, you would probably, I'd have you uh, 3D printed in some manner and put in the front of the PC, like you're in it and you're doing something like, it'd be really cool if you were like somehow animated, like the guy, like the guy inside would actually move and do something, you know? Um, But people love that because it's, it's so much more engaging and unexpected because often with computer towers, it's just a computer tower. It doesn't really do anything. But if people see that 
you can actually interact with it in some way and it does something. Um, that really separates me as a builder from other people, you know. Um, Absolutely. For example, here's a, here's a good example. Um, oh, two years ago, uh, the developers of uh, Metro Exodus, they reached out to me and they wanted to have a build done. And this was before the game was even was even out. And they said, Bill, the game's, the game's going to uh, revolve around a steam engine locomotive in the game that these people use to travel around this post-apocalyptic landscape. We want you to build a steam-powered computer. And I'm thinking, my well, the reality is I'm like, well, do you realize how, how much that would cost? on how long it would take. And here's the thing, if you're planning to give this away, you're expecting whoever owns this thing to maintain an actual steam powered computer. Just, you gotta like, the reality is, I, I gotta bring them back down to earth again. Like, here's the thing. I, I mean, that's a great idea, but the reality is it doesn't make sense for what we're doing. But what we could do instead is emulate that it's steam powered in some way, but it's all fake like Hollywood. You know, it, 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 it churns, it's got a piston in it, it blows smoke. And like, we can do that on a small scale to echo that theme that you're going after without like having to do what you're, you're, what's in your head. So it was just funny that I had this conference call and I had to talk these people down because the, the truth is, Bradford, a lot of people don't have no idea how much time goes into this stuff, you know? Oh, for sure. You know, that, that's just so cool. Like I, I saw, I think I saw the video. I think you sent me the video about that one in particular, and it is just the sweetest thing in the world. You know, on that note, like what is the craziest, coolest, you know, PC mod you've made? Um, that's, that's subjective too. You know, some, some things I think are crazy and some and people think it's crazy. And I'm like, ah, there was a, this company it still exists, frozencpu.com, commissioned me to do a really over-the-top um, tech bench. So at the time, people were buying these tech station tech benches. Basically, what it is it's an open chassis that you can put all your PC hard. You build your PC, but it's all exposed. It's like on a, it's like a, a display bench. It's called a test station or tech bench. And the intent originally was they were used by guys that have to test hardware or it's so it's easily accessible there's 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 nothing you have to get into it's all exposed so they wanted me to build the ultimate tech bench test station and for liquid cooling too that would uh, also uh, incorporate liquid liquid cooling elements so we we built this thing and it was like this giant jaw that opened up and it was all machined aluminum and it was all, and it had an actuator. So it opened up and then it would close. And this thing weighed, I, I couldn't even tell you how much it weighed because it was all machined aluminum. And it took, it took about seven months, I think, to build it. And it was, it was a spectacle. And it was one of those things though, that when people saw it, they didn't know what the hell it was. Like, what, what is it? You know? But, but the best part is, so frozen CPU, the, the owner had, he had a really bad day one day. And this tech station was on the counter in their shop and he pushed it off the counter. He like 
and he pushed the whole computer off the counter right okay sounds like a disaster yeah it didn't even didn't even bruise it it was (laughs) it was so it was built like a tank that i cracked the floor (laughs) I, i was talking to the staff that the guys that worked there when it happened and they said it's fine. It still worked. It didn't even, it was like, that's amazing. That's so, but that was pretty crazy. Um, I would never do that again though. It was just too much. Um, unless someone paid me, you know, so if they're paid the right price and I'll do it, but I would say the other one that was crazy, um, that just took the longest amount of time was, uh, for battlefield one, when that game came out, I built a, a tank, a scale, um, British Mark five tank, uh, from the game. And AMD was a sponsor for it. And um, we, okay, you imagine like a tank and actual, the tracks, like the individual plates for the tracks that go around everything, like all the little uh, original, like the, the rivets that would have gone into the, the shell of the tank, everything was there. I mean. And how and, long would that take? Oh, it, start start okay. to finish. That took about... Mm, it it should have taken nine months but it took but i had to rush on it uh because they they what they did is they 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 bumped the um it was it was going to be used as a giveaway then they then the uh uh the annual video games award show uh the marketing guy for the games like we would like to work with them and have it we would have it we would like to have it revealed at the video games award show before the giveaway like the giveaway will be announced at the video games award show and so we need, if you could get it done sooner. So I had to get it done sooner. And um, I can't even tell you how many hours, it was well over a hundred hours. I know that it was, but this, here's the thing is that there was a thousand, I know it was like close to 1200 individual pieces that were laser cut, just laser cut. I mean, it was just to have the pieces laser cut from acrylic was like, it was like $1,500. I remember that it was, and then I sat in my shop for weeks on end, just gluing these pieces together. There's a video of it. There's a video on YouTube of, 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 of me doing it. But in retrospect, Bradford, what I learned is that I, 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 under, I underpriced. A lot of these projects, I look back and like, I way underpriced them for what we got for it. You know, it just, it, and, it, and the thing is, is that when you do custom stuff like this, that's never been created before and there's no guidebook, it's very hard to quote give them a quote that, you know, you'll walk away with making money. Now I have a better idea because I've done it. Once you do it, you have a better idea, but when you've never done it before, it's so hard to quote them to walk away and make money from it. You know, I absolutely do understand that one. Okay. Um, you know, you have your pulse on the PC market. It sounds like where, where do you see the, uh, the, the gaming PC market heading? It's doing really, 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 really good. Uh, and especially because of COVID, because people are isolated at home with nothing to do. So gaming, in general, the gaming industry's had an excellent year in 2020. That's one of the, you know, 2020, an awful year. On the flip side for gaming, it's been a very good year because they've had a captive audience of gamers and consumers at home. And so, uh, you know, valid pr- proof of that is that you can't get a new video card since the new video cards came out you still can't get a new video card they're they're sell out everywhere instantly and it's it's super frustrating um but p- 
PC hardware is like a hot market to be in. And so both not only for people that are building their own, but people that are buying pre-built ones too. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's doing really well and I don't see it letting up at all. You know, a few years ago, it was the whole, uh, the desktop is dead thing going on because game consoles, so many people were doing game consoles, which makes sense. It's super easy. It's reliable. It's ready to go. But people enjoy building a PC. They enjoy selecting all the different components. It's fun. You know, it's fun, right? I, I can't say I've had fun doing it, but... <laughs> oh, you did? You uh, no, I, I picked the piece that sounds good, and then I have to go beg my wife, can I spend this much money on oh, this graphics yeah. card? And then you have to put yeah. it together, and it never works the first time. Oh, oh Brad, we'll have to help you next time you go through that. <laughs> it's usually something I didn't plug in quite, you know, mm. hard enough or something. Um, mm-hmm. Even right now, my, my USBs work... 75% of the time. I don't know what's up with that. That could be a what motherboard. Do you know what motherboard brand? Off the top of my head. Um, Asus. Weird. Interesting. So the drivers probably check your drivers and make sure they're the right. It's just the USBs are intermittent. USBs, yeah. Well, that's, that's neither here nor there. We're, we're supposed to be talking about you. <laughs> See, we can go off in tangents, but suddenly we'll be doing a repair show here. Um, <laughs> um, so, Bill, um, large part of the show is really about advice. So I, I, I want my audience to, to see you to go, hey, this sounds like the coolest thing in the world. How do they follow in your footsteps? What, what resources do they turn to to be able to figure out how to do kind of this type of business? Well, it's like um, Frank Zappi used to say, uh, don't ever get in the rock and roll business because uh, you, 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 you're always trying to find how to get paid. And it's true. I mean, for me being an independent and doing this, um, it's, I have, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm isolated from, cause I have like, I got into early and I got a name for myself, but to like try to get into it now could be really, really tricky. Um, uh, just because there's so many people now doing it. Um, but what I would say is you've got to be, uh, comfortable with using hand tools, cutting up things. If you want to do like real custom stuff, uh, power tools, basic tools, you gotta be, you gotta be well-versed in just you know, DIY. You probably like working on your car already. You like working on your bicycle as a kid. You like to take things apart. You like to change things. You have to have that, uh, aspect. Um, uh, and you have to, uh, be creative, just be creative. Um, but you know, I mean, those are the basic skills you need to have, but today in today's atmosphere online, you have to be able to market yourself with a personality too, you know, because there's a several hundred guys doing custom PC builds that would like to have opportunity to get bigger money working for companies and stuff. Um, and you've got to bring a personality. So to separate yourself from everybody else, you've got to bring your personality because people also glom on to who you are, you know. Um, so that means having something on all social channels, Instagram, Twitter, even TikTok, a Facebook page and all that. And it becomes this huge grind of creating interesting content to separate yourself from everybody else. You know, and so it's it's really tough now. I mean, but if you've got a personality, people will glom onto that right away. You got to be 
genuine and honest and engaging with people and relatable. And if you can bring that along with the skills of being creative, you could carve out a niche for yourself, but full time, you know, because the thing is, is like my primary income is our store and we create these parts and stuff. That's our primary income. The doing the custom PC builds and mods, that's like, that's a, that's like a starving artist thing. Yeah. That's like, it's not consistent enough to make a living from it. I mean, I'm in a situation where I, I can to a point, but the work it's not, it's like any artist, you know, it's, it's hard to get that consistent income from it. So it's okay. tough. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, now, uh, can we talk about you a little bit more personally if possible? Sure. I, um, you have had a fantastic career. You have done incredible things, but I don't want my audience sitting here listening, thinking you are Superman, that you can do no wrong, that everything has been sunshine <laughs> and rainbows your entire, you know, professional history. Um, so th- at this point of the show, I-, I always ask my guest, you know, what is your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it? Uh, I would say, um, <laughs> That's a tough one, you know. It's there's a lot of failures, little ones, big ones. Um, I I hate software in general. I hate software. I have this love hate with software, and I never force myself to like learn enough software, especially you know, like engineering software. I'm still old school and like doing paper pencil stuff, and then I work with my team who's got that engineering background to make it a reality and it is because i have no patience i have really very little patience for dealing with software and so in retrospect i wish i'd gone to school and learned that so i it's easier for me you know i'm, I'm just so versed in being and stubborn and being old school that i don't adapt myself to like the latest greatest software tools that can make things easier you know i insist on being old school Absolutely. But, you know, as we said before we started the episode, you know, if you stay old school long enough, eventually you become retro and that goes up in price. It's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it it was, you know, the thing is like your generation, your, the millennial generation, they're, they're not learning DIY as much as my generation did where our fathers were in the garage repairing our own car, repairing our own appliances if they could or whatever because they didn't want to spend the money to have somebody repair it so that our fathers would have tools a workbench in the garage where i'm uh, that's getting lost that that having a workbench with hand tools and power tools is become lost where it's just all in the phone with your thumb and you can have if you have the money you can have somebody else do it and so that's what's getting lost i think with the you know millennials and generation z is that diy you know, doing it yourself. All right. Um, related to my last question, what is something you're working to improve on yourself today? Uh, it's trying to, uh, man, it's a tough, it's tough. Uh, it's just trying to balance everything, family and work. Uh, I've gotten better than I used to be. And my advice is if, if like, cause I'm a workaholic at heart, I'm a workaholic. I could keep working and working and working and working. And 
you that's not fair to your family and years ago i had to sit down with my wife and come up with a schedule that we both agreed on so i was at home at a certain time and it took a long time to adapt to that but once i adapted to that schedule it's like it's ingrained in you and you know just like i got to quit soon because i got to be home and so if you're in the same situation where your 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 partner says you're spending too much time in there and you should be doing this you got to sit down and then agree on a schedule that's appeals to them and you you know you got to do that because i understand with people running their own business how they can just get sucked and spend all this time and and it just melts away where other people are like wow it's worth dad doing and never see him anymore you gotta you know you gotta avoid that so you have a successful marriage yeah. you know? family starts pestering you you never call us anymore <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know the pain too. <laughs> um, Bill, this has been an absolutely fantastic interview. How do people find you? How do they reach out to you? Email, social, you know, all that. Uh, just Google MNPC Tech, MNPC for personal computer tech, T-E-C-H. And that's an acronym for originally it was Minnesota Personal Computer Technician. So it's just MNPC Tech now. And you'll find me on all channels. Although, and I'm, I'd assume that no one would ever look for me on TikTok. I put some stuff on TikTok just because when you listen to like social media experts, you should you should be using TikTok to do this to get your brand out there too. And like, let's be honest here, I'm a 52 year old guy, and the stuff I'm doing is just not you know conducive to that audience. Although I've had some things on there when we've made um, different custom parts, I've shared it. And, and those videos, actually, if they found an audience, surprisingly, I don't know who's looking at the videos, but um, some interesting parts that we've made, you know, and oh, just a tip, anybody that does TikTok, it seems that, I don't know if it's the algorithm, the way it's programmed is it wants to see your face in the video, all right? So if you're going to share anything, have your face in it too. And those videos typically get better views. And also another thing that TikTok does that is very sneaky this is well known, your first video will get pushed out to, to reach a wider audience, to find an audience and views. So like when you do your first video, they like, they tease you to come back and do more. And like the first video I did, I was like, it, it did all right. Yeah. Okay. I, I just come out of nowhere. I'm on TikTok. Then I noticed that the videos I did after, it was like, even though they, in my opinion, they were better. I shared better content than the first video, but that's because they trying to lure you in with the candy, come on in and you can do it, but that's not the truth. Absolutely. It's a lie. There is so much that goes into it. Time of day, you know, I am um, mm -hmm. my, uh, my business content went nowhere on TikTok. So I actually switched over to dad jokes and all well, of a sudden one. I had this huge audience of 12 that's year old awesome. girls. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> That's a great, I mean, yeah, dad stuff is funny. Like I heard there's like a, a channel called, um, it's like DIY dad or things that your dad taught you. Oh on yeah. YouTube that's just that taken off. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that, that's relatable. It's all about making it relatable to anyone who watches it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Bill, as we wrap this up, do you have any final thoughts you want to share or anything I didn't ask you think we still need to cover? No, I think you did a great job, Bradford. Oh, I want to ask, okay, Bradford. Yeah. Here's the question. It's like, okay, so you do these, 
you do your podcast, but what do you do for income? What do you, I mean, because I've read online that you're a doctor and a lawyer. I'm no longer an attorney. So my doctorate okay. is a Juris Doctor, so Doctor of Jurisprudence, which is the law degree. Um, so I do business coaching and consulting. I, um, my, I guess my quick backstory was I was a business law attorney for about six years, and I got tired of telling people no because it just seems like attorneys have to tell you no all the time. You don't do that. That's illegal. And it kind of drained on me. So I went into coaching, which is like right next door. So it's almost, almost all the same advice, except if it's legal, you got to talk to your attorney first. Um, I moved to Las Vegas two years ago. uh, And like a couple months later, I I was made president of a consulting firm here in town. So um, I had done the small business and then I was now doing business, big business, dealing on the high finance side, you know, big investors, lots and lots of money. And I woke up one day last year in August, realized I wasn't happy with the way my life was going hmm. and um, ultimately decided I had to be working with gamers. So I started this podcast to reach the wider audience and kind of carve out a niche that no one really, no one's focusing yeah. on gamers in business. They all want to focus on the business of gaming. Yeah, you you've got a, a you're very smart because eventually somebody else is going to figure out and they're going to be want to do it, you know. But then you'll be established already by the time you get a copycat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's smart. And then the brilliance in what you do is all the connections that you're making. You're making a massive amount of connections in the industry uh, because who doesn't want to come onto a podcast and be interviewed? It's fun. Actually, quite a few people. <laughs> they don't? A lot of people say no. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I, well, then, then, then they probably wouldn't have been interested anyways. And that's how I approach it. Uh, ultimately, it's a numbers game. Like for I do I do three interviews a week, which is a lot for yeah, a show like this. You know, a lot of my quote competitors, anybody else who's doing this, maybe do one a week, mm-hmm. you know, every other week. I do mm-hmm. three a week, and my original intent was to, to just – rack up those connections to figure out where I can get into the industry. And it's, it's just become kind of a, a labor of love at this point. I, I love getting to talk to my guests. I love getting to learn about what people are doing. And it allows me when I'm consulting with someone going, Hey, you know, I know someone who's doing exactly oh, yeah. that thing that you need. And I can send them. Yeah. Right over. yeah. That's what I, yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to be a great resource for so <laughs> many people. Yeah. And then I, I could like, could, Maybe I ask you if I ever needed like any legal advice, would I be able to ask you? Uh, I, I'm not an attorney anymore, so I can't give legal uh, advice. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Bill, thank you so much for coming on with us today. We genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun. Absolutely. And for everybody else, I'm going to remind you all, don't be just a gamer, be a gamer paneur. <laughs> <laughs>